Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Robins Football Thoughts Podcast. On today's episode, we recap divisional weekend in the NFL playoffs and also go over news and notes around the NFL. Hello again, my name is Robin Luis, and some background on me. I've been a Buffalo Bills and Notre Dame football fan for since about 2002, so close to about 20 years. I've watched pretty much every game of theirs, and I also just watch in general a bunch of NFL and college football, and just thought to uh, start a podcast to uh, put some of my thoughts out there on football, and this was a fun weekend for me personally with the Bills getting back to the AFC Championship for the first time since I've been a fan, but also the first time since 1994. Um, you know, it was just a fun Saturday night um, watching. I'm in uh, Western New York and Avon, New York, but across Western New York, whether it's, um, you know, down in Buffalo or in Rochester, New York as well. Um, so, yeah. Um, but I'm going to recap all of the Divisional Weekend games, and the first one was the Green Bay Packers and Los Angeles Rams with the Packers um, winning 32-18 to over the Rams. Aaron Rodgers, again, continuing his likely MVP um, campaign with another brilliant performance, three touchdown passes and a touchdown run over the number one rated defense for the Rams, although it was a Rams defense depleted with uh, Aaron Donald dealing with a rib injury, and he did not look like he could get any sort of pressure or stay on the field very long in that game. Tried to toughen out as long as he could, but the Packers' second-year guard, Elton Jenkins, um, was able to basically take him out of the game and got him frustrated to the point where he had a 15-yard uh, face mask penalty um, Aaron Donald did against him, and um, Jared Goff, with no Cooper Cup, was not able to really muster up enough offense to keep up with Rodgers. Um, they were able to get it within seven, but Rodgers hitting Alan Lazard for a huge touchdown late in that game to um, put it out of reach. And the Packers, even though their draft was questionable and still might be, they you know trade up to go up for Jordan Love in the first round when they still have Aaron Rodgers, albeit he was about to turn, you know, 37 this season, but he's still playing at elite level, got them to the NFC title game the year before, and you would think trying to put some pieces around him, make the defense faster, maybe get another receiver, um, they decide instead to trade up for Love, and then the historic receiver class, they don't draft anybody, um, they draft another running back when they have Aaron Jones and Jonathan Williams and A.J. Dillon. He doesn't contribute much throughout the season, but late in the year, he has over 100 yards against the Titans, and he had a bunch of carries in this one, along with Jones and Williams, and that three-headed monster helped them run for over 200 yards, as well as Rodgers throw for over 300 yards, and we get a bounce attack like that, uh, that offense can hum against pretty much anyone, It'll be interesting to see uh, them against the Buccaneers because that was the one game they be got beaten down um, 38-10 to earlier this season. Can they get some success against that defense? But if they can get some balance and not make Rodgers have to do everything, um, it'll be a fun game to see. As for the Rams, uh, Goff is going to be an interesting decision because 
Uh, McVeigh has been noncommittal since the game about his status for the upcoming year. Just says that he is, as of now, their quarterback. But when you're paying a guy um, at the time Goff signed the contract a couple years ago as no extension, it was the highest of any player of all time. Now there have been a few other quarterback extensions since that time, but still a hefty amount of money to pay um, any player, let alone a quarterback even a quarterback, but especially one that's not consistently playing at a top 10 level, and it feels like the coaching of McVeigh and the players around them, while not super explosive, are able to work the system really well, but still feels like Goff is a very system quarterback and needs things to work, needs the run game to work, needs a bunch of other things to work in order to be um, at all successful, and when you have a number one defense and can't get past the second round, and you're paying guys like Donald and Ramsey, and then Goff, your cap's strong, and you need your quarterback to play at a high level consistently to make up for deficiencies due to not being addressed every single thing in the salary cap. So it'll be. Interesting to see what they do in the offseason with Goff. Do they bring in a veteran backup? Do they bring in anybody to compete or, you know, put some pressure on Goff to play a little better and a little more consistently? Um, so that is the Rams and Packers recap. Now to the game that um, I watched with bated breath, which was the Bills and the Ravens. Um, another home game for the Bills and home playoff game. Um, with about 6,700 fans, and they were loud. Um, they put up about the same amount of noise as a normal home game with around, you know, 55 to 60,000 people in that stadium and just brought that atmosphere up. And even though the offense missed a few uh, deep shots in that first half and maybe one or two in the second half, they only were able to score 10 points, but they were able to move the ball enough um, to get with in scoring distance for a couple more field goals, but um, it was really the defense that was the story of the game, limiting the Ravens to three points, and right at the end of the third quarter, the Ravens having their second super long drive of the game, and this one ends up with no points, and also a pick six, because Teron Johnson, a nickel corner that had been, you know, criticized early in the season because he wasn't playing very well. Um, he is able to key in on Lamar Jackson and uh, make him think that he has Mark Andrews in the end zone between a couple defenders with a straight um, bullet shot and then steps right in front of it and takes it all the way back with Trey White being the lead blocker and uh, blocking Lamar Jackson. Normally when there's a pick six, it's because the quarterback... Um, isn't mobile enough to get out to a player like uh, Johnson. But in this case, Lamar can chase down just about anybody. But with the blocking by both uh, Trey White and Justin Zimmer, a practice squad um, defensive tackle earlier in the year, and him helping out on that play, and it changed the whole tenor of the game, made 17-3, to and even though um, the Ravens had some more chances, and even with... Uh, Mar Jackson getting hurt and uh, having a concussion and going out in the game because of a botched snap, um, one of a few snaps um, that didn't go uh, his way. 
Um, the Bills were able to still hold on and get to the AFC title game for the first time in 25 years. A ton of firsts um, in the past couple weeks. You know, first division title in a long time, 20 or so years. First playoff win, and then also, you know, the first um, AFC title game visit now this week. And uh, they haven't played their best game uh, yet this entire postseason after just railing off uh, double digits wins um, um, the last five games of the, excuse me, I think the last six games of the year they had uh, double digit wins. And so far, um, they did get a double digit win against the Ravens, but it didn't feel like um, games where they were putting up, you know, 30 or more points or anything like that. And uh, they only won by three against the Colts. But again, they are in the AFC title game, and I feel like they haven't put out their most complex game plans yet because Dayball always has a lot of reverses with Isaiah McKenzie, a couple trick plays here and there, and I haven't seen a ton of those yet, and it makes me wonder if he has those, uh, Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator, if he has those saved up for the Kansas City Chiefs game. Um because he knows they may have to score very well, may have to score 35, 40 or so points just to win that game, regardless of how well the defense plays, because Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kale, Travis Kelsey, maybe the best at their positions in the league. And But they did get past this round. Um, I'm still a little bit nervous about what they can do about Kansas City, although if they were to lose to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, you'd still kind of look at it as a successful year because um, that was basically the goal to be among the AFC elite, win a playoff game, which they didn't do last year with the loss of the Texans. And uh, But it'll be for sure an interesting game and one that I will also watch again with bated breath. But yeah, that was a spectacularly fun game um, to see, even though it was only 17-3, to and I can't wait till... Sunday at uh, 6.40 for that game. Um, the Sunday divisional games, the first one, the Browns and the Chiefs, uh, they were able to win the Chiefs despite uh, Mahomes leaving, um, I believe, late in the third quarter, yes, with a um, what appeared to be a concussion, and then they kept him in concussion protocol. Um I believe he'll find they'll find a way to get him to play um, next time in the AFC title game. Um, it didn't look like a severe concussion, but it definitely did look like uh, if you have to follow protocol for it, then normally the guy um, will not come back in the game. Same thing happened with Lamar Jackson. So, um, But the Browns did make a good fight for it. Um, they missed some opportunities with Nick Chubb dropping a couple screens in a row on a drive that could have been a scoring drive in the first half um, on, I believe, their second drive of the game. And uh, when you start off able to move the ball your first three or four possessions and can only get three points, unless your defense plays super great like the Bills' defense did on Sunday, um, you're going to be in trouble um, just by halftime. And that's the mostly was the case for... Um, Cleveland, because they were down, I believe, 19 to 10 at halftime, and they were down 19 to 3 at halftime, and then 
Baker threw an interception to start the second half, and I was thinking, oh, it's going to be 26-3, um, game over early in the second half, and then a missed field goal by Harrison Butker, and then later the injury to Mahomes, and the Browns were able to string a couple possessions together, get some points on the board, and um, they only allowed a field goal when Henny was on the field, but Chad Henny was able to make both an in incredible third down um, and 14 scramble to get it within one yard, and then uh, Andy Reid balls a steal, um, calling a fourth and one pass play um, around midfield, and if he doesn't get it, the Browns are in uh, scoring position, down only a score, but um, they were able to get it to Tyreek Hill, and that um, sealed the fate for the Browns and got the Chiefs to their third straight AFC title game under Mahomes. All three years he's been a starter, they've at least gotten to that game, and that is super impressive. They do have to enter in, assuming Mahomes is healthy as the favorite to um, get to Super Bowl and probably win it, but they haven't played um, especially great, even though they kept winning. Um, most of their games have been one-score games since about the middle of the season, even against both against good teams and um, some not-so-good teams like the Falcons they barely beat. Um, their only loss in that time is to... Uh, the Chargers when they sat Mahomes and played Henny, but that experience for Henny in Week 17 may have helped him be calm and um, not feel like he hasn't played. And it was about four or five years um, between games for him and for him to and his first actual playoff action. So who knows if that Week 17 game may have helped make sure that he wasn't too overwhelmed by the moment, although he did throw a bad pick, but it certainly didn't hurt, in my opinion. So that was the first game on Sunday, and then the second game of the Divisional Weekend Sunday was the Buccaneers at the Saints, and it was the third matchup between the two teams, and the first two, the Saints had blown the Bucks off the field, and... Uh, but you had a feeling it could be a much different game just because it's the playoffs, um, and in the playoffs you're able to focus on your opponent for um, the entire week, and it's a one-game season, so there's more attention to detail, and the it just had the feeling of a close game uh, during the week, and the Saints um, have won 49 games over the last four years, but they end up losing this one 30-20, and they had their opportunities in this one, and those four years, they never really, they got to the NFC Championship against the Rams, lost that one, and uh, never got any closer to that, and to not be able to get to a Super Bowl with a team as talented as they've been the last four years just feels awfully disappointing. Um, the big play in the game in the second half was Jared Cook about at midfield, gets open on a third and four, catches it um, against a rookie safety, Antoine Winfield Jr. His father, Antoine Winfield, was a great corner for the Bills and the Vikings. And when you're a bigger tight end, as athletic as Jared Cook has been, um, and the DB is only one or two yards, 
Um, you probably need to wrap up in that situation. That's why I was seeing the replay and also seeing it live. Just with that ball hanging out there, it was paramount to hold on to it. And instead, Winfield makes a great play, forces the fumble, helps set up uh, Brady for a chance to tie it. Um, and it's basically at least a 10, if not 14-point swing. Uh, where the Saints can go up a couple possessions instead. Um, they're not able to. And then the Buccaneers have a drive to take a three-point lead in the fourth quarter, in which Brady, um, who has you know Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin on the team, and instead he uses on one-third down Tyler Johnson, a fifth-round rookie from Minnesota, throws a back shoulder pass to him, and he makes a diving catch. And then another third down, he throws it to their deep threat, Scotty Miller. And those guys are their, you know, fourth and fifth receivers. And they also have, you know, Brady and Gronk. But Brady able to use so many different guys, whether it's Fournette in the the short pass game or all those receivers, or in this case, um, these two seldom used receivers that do have ability. And for him to have that trust in them in those big moments was huge. As Mike Evans, whenever he plays against Marshawn Lattimore this year, just for whatever reason, except for in the red zone, can't really get consistently open against him. And those two huge plays, again, set up the um, field goal to take the lead. And uh, Drew Brees, earlier in the game, he throws an interception to set up a touchdown for the Buccaneers. And then... He throws another one uh, to Devin White in the fourth quarter, and that helps set up the um, probably the game-clinching touchdown, although there was about four or five minutes left when that happened, so maybe there's a chance to s- score twice, but th- that was a huge one to Devin White, and then he throws a third interception, and that's probably the end of uh, Drew Brees in New Orleans. Um, just continually, physically in the postseason played worse and worse these last three or four years as they were still an elite regular season team. But in the postseason last few years, they have the Rams uh, loss, uh, the loss to the Rams in the NFC title game where Nikel Roby appears to get away with the pass interference. And he did pretty much get away with nailing a receiver way before the ball went there. They have the Minneapolis miracle with Stephon Diggs. They have also the loss, another loss to the Vikings in overtime last year. And I think I may be forgetting one, but, you know, they had four years where they played, you know, 12 and four better and for whatever reason could not get um, past the NFC Championship or even close to it in the last couple years. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's going to be weird for New Orleans because now they're set to be 100 million or so over the cap. And um, regardless of whether or not Drew Brees retires, it's somewhere around 80 to 100 mil over the cap. And they have players who are free agents like Trey Hendrickson, who led him in sacks. Um, Marcus Williams, a really good young safety, who fortunately is kind of known for the um, Minneapolis miracle play for not um, tipping the ball or not pushing dinks out of bounds, but has been a great safety, you know, these last three, four years for them, and now he'll be a free agent, and then I figure out, are you bringing Jameis back? What are you doing with Taysom Hill? 
Um, and then you have Michael Thomas, who um, last year led the had the record amount of receptions in the season, and in this game he has no catches. Um, Jared Cook is also a free agent too, and who, what did they do with Emmanuel Sanders? Because it feels like that contract was signed with the idea that's a one-year deal, and they pushed all their cap troubles one year after the next, and this year it's you know basically time to pay the piper. So the offseason in general is going to be interesting, but seeing what the Saints have to do with their cap, that'll be um, just, I don't know, it's... I don't know what they're going to do with that, but it would certainly be fun to watch. But we're not at the um, season yet, um, although for a few teams, although there are some that have made um, some coaching moves, and they kind of came fast and furious um, late last week into early this week. Um, first one, Urban Meyer um, has been successful at both Florida and Ohio State. Um he gets hired with the Jaguars, and he's in a great position because they have about $70 million cap room. The number one pick, which will likely be Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, and he's from, you know, he coached at Florida and won a couple national titles there. So I feel like that's, in terms of a place to be um, that he's familiar with and also um, not a big media market, Jacksonville, um, it feels like that's a perfect spot for him. Um, he's had uh, last two stops with Florida and Ohio State. He's had to leave due to a bit of, you know, somewhat scandalous times at both Florida and Ohio State, but it was mostly, mostly, excuse me, uh, health-related issues where whenever he got stressed, he would, you know, have some sort of health thing pop up. Um, but I think if he puts together the right staff and the right... Um, players, he should be fine, and hopefully he is used to, able to get used to losing more at the NFL level, because in college, at Florida, they win about 85 to 90%, and Ohio State, he won 90% of his games, so, and won a championship there as well, um, but I think Jacksonville was maybe the most attractive spot with that number one pick and all that cap room and not a huge medium market, not a huge pressurized market. And Urban Meyer got that job. Um, the one job uh, that appeared to be set for Brian Dayball um, to leave the Bills and become a head coach was the Los Angeles Chargers as the GM Tom Telesco and him were a couple years apart at the same high school. And Justin Herbert is the quarterback of the future there and of the present and future, but could be a future NFL superstar. And instead they go with Brandon Staley, who was the defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams in his first year there. They were number one total defense. Weren't especially great against the Packers, but um, was able to get the most throughout the season from Jalen Ramsey, um, Aaron Donald, and a bunch of really solid, good players, but no other real stars, and was able to get that defense to be uh, the number one ranked defense in the NFL, was actually a quarterback, I read this today, um, in both high school and in college at Dayton. So maybe he, even though he's a defensive-minded guy, will be able to relate to Herbert and get um, that offense going. They could bring assistance that help that offense 
um, be successful last year, bring them back like Pep Hamilton and Shane Steinken, but it'll be interesting to see um, what they do with that staff. The, another really curious um, pick as head coach is Dan Campbell for the Lions. He was the assistant head coach and Titans coach with the Saints. He had a 12-game run. It was either in 2013 or 2014 with the Miami Dolphins um, as their interim coach when Joe Philbin was fired. And um, at the end of that season, he was 5-7. and seven. Not over the great, but not terrible, um, considering the circumstances put in. But instead, they hire Adam Gaze at that time. And since, I believe around then, it's been he's been with the New Orleans Saints and has learned as the assistant head coach and tight ends coach under Sean Payton. Um, former um, NFL tight end. And looks like... Uh, he looks very similar to, um, if you've ever seen South Park, uh, PC Principal. If you put those two together, they're basically doppelgangers. But he is a very energetic um, guy and a very former player and a former player. So um, maybe he'll, in that sense, relate a lot better than uh, Matt Patricia, who was the complete opposite of the coach they had that they had previous in Jim Caldwell, who was very calm and a player's coach instead. Matricia comes from the very um, disciplined Patriot way and that uh, didn't sit well with a lot of veteran guys like their quarterback Matt Stafford and um, there was a time early year in the season for the Lions where Patricia basically made it seem like he was inheriting a bunch of problems when Caldwell was able to get that team to the playoffs um, in earlier years, so it seemed to come out of nowhere to make that um, statement. Um, but I don't know what Dan Campbell bring for the Lions. It's different from what they've had, but is it good? Um, how does he handle Matt Stafford? What's his you know decision um, there? And but the next one. Um, was one that was expected. At least the guy was going to get a head coaching job. Uh, Arthur Smith, the offense coordinator for the Titans, um, has been hyped up the last couple years in the development of Ryan Tannehill to being a very much of the time a top 10 quarterback playing close to top 5 efficiency, but overall about top 10 to 12 um, a couple years after he was deemed to be um, a guy who couldn't play in this league in Miami and potentially a bust. And in Tennessee, has been incredible. And a lot of that credit goes to Arthur Smith for having him play that way and also getting a 2,000-yard season out of Derrick Henry. Um, what it means for, say, Matt Ryan, I don't know because they have a top-five pick and a pretty good um, three-quarterback draft class that could, um, one of those guys, two, one or two more of those guys could go top five after Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Zach Wilson, and do the Falcons get their quarterback of the future, or do they um, try and make a couple more runs with Matt Ryan, or do they do some combination of the two, where they pick their guy, but they're still going to roll with Matt Ryan for um, two or three more years. 
what direction they go with that um, is up in the air, but I do like the idea of Arthur Smith being their uh, head coach. Um, the next guy that got a head coaching job, uh, Robert Saleh um, from the San Francisco 49ers, their defense coordinator going to the New York Jets, and he's a super energetic, um, seems like a player's coach guy and a guy that also believes in having a staff that um, knows everything. There's a great video up. I don't remember where it was. Maybe it's somewhere on YouTube. But he talks about um, the best thing a head coach can do, basically, is it's a lot of paraphrasing I'm doing, but basically the best thing he can do is know what you don't know and hire people who know that, and that will make you a great head coach. Whereas, you know, Adam Gase thought, kind of seemed like the whiz kid that thought he knew everything and didn't relate well to players, and it seems like they're getting basically the opposite of that, um, which is what you usually do when you hire a coach, get you know the complete opposite of the guy you just fired. But I, it sounds like an interesting idea for the Jets, and it definitely brings some energy around the fan base. Now, what does that mean for Sam Darnold, that quarterback? Um, they could bring over some of the aspects of that Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan offense in San Francisco with a lot of bootlegs and a lot of running um, and a lot of zone running. Uh, so that may end up fitting uh, Sam Darnold a lot better than the system that Gase ran it with a lot of bubble screens and not really a ton of uh, movement for the quarterback and a lot of short passes, not a ton of aggressiveness with it. I still think Sam Darnold can play, but if you end up loving Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, you have to go in that direction. But it's, you know, that number two pick, they can go in so many different directions, trade down, pick a quarterback, pick other offensive tackle to have the best, you know, uh, block end or bookend tackles in the league. But, yeah, uh, I think the Jets will certainly be much better than 2-14. and 14. They can't be any worse. Um, but I did think that was a pretty good move by them. The only jobs open as of now, um, the Eagles and Texans. Um, the Eagles, that still looks like a mess because Carson Wentz is there with his big contract and seeming to decline this past year. And Jalen Hurts, what do you do with that quarterback situation? Their cap situation is also very tenuous. Um, a lot of veteran players with big contracts like Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. Um, what do you do with those guys, um, with all those young receivers that you want to perform but have yet to shown ability to be, complete, to be completely trusted like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Jalen Rager? Um as bad as that situation, though, is the Texans is just, ugh. Um, they have this guy, Jack Easterby, who's an executive VP in the front office who was once the team chaplain for the Patriots and somehow is in a decision-making role for the uh, football decision-making role for the Texans. And they've had four players like Andre Johnson come out and say that Deshaun Watson should stand his ground and want this Easter be a guy out. And even uh, Kenny Stills, who's on the Bills practice squad and was with the Texans for a few years. I remember he retweeted that 
as well. And uh, sounding like Deshaun is currently not taking their messages because um, he was told by ownership um, Cal McNair that he would have input with who they hired at both GM and coach. Um, and he found out the GM hired through, um, you know, Twitter, like pretty much everyone else, um, in the hiring of Nick Casario from the Patriots to be the general manager. And then, uh, Eric Bieniemy was a guy, Eric Bieniemy, the offense coordinator for the Chiefs was a guy that he was really high on to be a head coach to Sean Watson, um, because he's friends with Patrick Mahomes and uh, the enemy comes with rave reviews from Mahomes and they didn't interview him at all through the early uh, interview process for teams and had to wait until um, just today um, to interview the enemy. And that was only because the NFL finally let teams be able to do zoom interviews during this week. So um, if the Texans want to keep Watson, they probably have to hire the enemy, but is it too little, too late at this point for those relationships to be fixed? Um, that remains to be determined, but, you know, there's 15 to 20 teams at minimum that are going to contact the Texans if Deshaun Watson becomes available. But in an ideal scenario, you find a way to keep them, even though you're very low on draft capital, um, your first rounder is the number three pick, and that is to the Dolphins as of right now. And you could get that pick back, but you'd have to give up your franchise 25-year-old quarterback to do that. And maybe you could get a ton more picks, but then you'd be starting at, um, you know, spot one, basically, um, to get your franchise up in order. Whereas if you have that franchise quarterback you're still in a decent spot. I mean, they were 4-12 and with him, but he played like a minimum top 8-10 to quarterback, and the stats could bear out that he was a top 5 guy, even with um, how bad that team was. So it's definitely something to monitor. Um, you know, it's already a crazy quarterback market as it is with all the veterans that could be traded, like Ryan and Stafford, if those teams want to move on and Garoppolo. But... Deshaun would put it at a whole nother level. So um, that this has been the inaugural episode of the Robins Football Thoughts podcast. Um, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, hope to do it again sometime soon. All right, have a good day. Bye.